Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Chapter 4, page 858. Dr. Rabbi explained in the last chapter that creation, something from nothing, since the created being needs the creative, the divine creative ability to constantly create and bring it into being. Therefore, the created being is not an entity, but an entity that's dependent on its source. In other words, he's saying, he said that the analogy to light that emanates from the sun is not a good analogy because light is an independent entity. Light flows outside of the sun. And when it's outside of the sun, it's considered an entity. It has properties. You call it by a name. It's called light. You notice it. But it's an entity that's totally dependent on its source. It's pointed fingers to its source. It's connected to its source. And it's totally dependent on the source. And it knows that it's totally dependent on the source. That's the meaning of light. Light points to, to the source of light. That there is a source. Constant. There's a constant connection between the energy and the source. But he said the created being is not like that. The created being is a non-entity. Because the created being needs to constantly be created. So the correct analogy would be like light that's within the sun. And light within the sun, of course, is a non-entity. It's almost as if it doesn't exist. You can't call it by a name. All that exists there, all that is, is the sun itself. So since the divine creative energy needs to be in this cup of water and everything that exists, and needs to constantly create it, something from nothing, because creation, something from nothing means that you're creating something that doesn't exist before, that doesn't exist in the source. You're not revealing, you're creating something from nothing. And only God has the power to create something from nothing, because God has no source. And therefore God is able to create something novel, something unpredictable, something suddenly the physical, the material appears. But the creative energy, the divine energy, needs to constantly create it and to sustain it and to be within it. Therefore, everything that exists, the cup of water, everything that exists, you and I are really within the source. So if we are within the source, therefore we're, not, we're non-existence. We're non-being. Not an illusion, but we're non-being. What you should see, all that you should see is God. You shouldn't even notice the physical. So the question he asked is, how is it possible that we don't see and we don't sense God? As a matter of fact, we call it something from nothing. It really should have been God created nothing from something. God is something and he creates nothing. Instead, we call creation something, we are something, and we create it from nothing. Why do we call the divine energy nothing? Because we can't grasp it. We can't relate to the divine. As a matter of fact, we, we don't even sense its existence. People can go through their entire life, can live 120 years, fulfilled life, productive lives, and they don't even, it doesn't, they don't even have a suspicion. It doesn't even enter their mind that there is something divine. <coughs> so that's the mystery. How is it possible that our whole essence, our whole being, is really the divine, and yet, we don't sense the divine at all. The divine to us is nothing. We can't grasp it, we can't relate to it, we don't know if, when, what, where. But we sense our independence, we sense our existence. Not only are we an entity like light out of the sun, at least the light is dependent on the source, knows its source. 
We are not even sure. We don't even sense our source. We sense that we are something. So how is it possible? That was the question that he left off in the last chapter. Because the analogy to the sun, he says he can't compare our existence, our being, like the sun light that's outside of the sun, where the light is dependent on its source, but the light is has an in, but the light has an independent has a uh, is an entity, an, a dependent entity, but an entity nonetheless. The correct analogy is that we are like the light in the sun. We are absorbed within our source, who's constantly creating us. So we are within the essence. And therefore, we shouldn't, there shouldn't, nothing should exist. You shouldn't notice anything. The only thing that you should sense and notice is God and the divine. And yet we see the reality is the opposite. Then we would be angels. No, we would, no, he's saying even more than angels. Angels sense Even more than angels. Because an angel is like light. An angel is like light. Heaven is like light. Energy. Pure energy. So it senses its source. It knows that there is a source, but it's a separate entity. An angel is a separate entity. An angel is conscious of itself. It understands God, it has a feeling to God, it's constantly praising God. But an angel is a, is a sentient being. An angel, angel is an independent being. It's like a light that's obviously connected to its source. It's pointing its finger to God, it's constantly praising God, constantly dancing with ecstasy and praising and but the truth is, we're not like an angel. We're, not, we're like the light within the sun. There's nothing but the sun. We're a non-entity. You shouldn't even notice anything. All you should notice, all you should sense, is the reality that there's nothing but God. No, I said, but not really. That's maybe from the angel point Exactly. Because angels are also created. You're right. Because angels are also created. Because angels are also created. So the same question. But in this world especially, because the ultimate creativity of God, the ultimate creation of something from nothing is the physical. Because the material doesn't exist in the source. There's no stone in God, and, and there's no the, uh, even in the spiritual there's no stone. So it's, it's, it's the ultimate creation, something from nothing. Which means that it must have the godly energy, the divine energy must constantly create it. So therefore, what is it really? It's really, it's almost like God creating, creating himself, creating a there's nothing but God. There's nothing else here. And therefore you shouldn't even notice the physical. Just like the light is within the sun, but you don't even notice it. You can't even call it by a name. It's a non-entity. It's there, but it's not there. See, all you notice is the soul. All you notice is the, is the light, is the sun, the orb. So all you should notice is God. How is it that we have a sense of self, that there's a created being? We see a stone, and we see a table, and we see ourselves, and we see a world, and we see time, and we see space. And angels, sentient being, disconnected, separate from God. How is it possible? This is the question that we left off last week. I guess I have a question where you say that the material is not in the source, but this energy that we talk about is also not in the source, obviously. It is well, the energy that we talk about, the letters... The divine letters are in the source. Okay. And the human analogy was, the, was when you speak. You speak. You speak with words. But the words really existed within your soul. Your soul is full, filled with words. But you don't sense it there. You don't feel it there. It's there, but it's not there. It's a non-entity. But the created being, the divine words create. The, 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 suddenly, out of nowhere, suddenly water appears. a physical, the material... This is something that's totally unpredictable. Only God has the power to create something from nothing. It's the ultimate creative expression of the divine ability. So all you should notice is really the divine ability. You shouldn't even notice the water. 
So how is it that we sense ourselves when we sense we have a very strong impression of ourselves, a very strong sense of I, of ego, and we have a very strong sense of everything that exists in this world. All, every, everything that exists in this world has a strong sense of I, most powerful force in creation is self-preservation, is ego, sustain your I, sustain your existence, your independent existence. And this is the question that makes no sense. Where does this come from? How is it possible? If the divine creative energy must constantly create and must constantly be within us, creating us and sustaining us, and if it would cease for one split second, we would cease to exist, we would revert back to our natural state, which is nothing, as if we never existed. So then how is it that there is a sense of self? And therefore, in this chapter, he's going, he says he has to introduce a new concept. He's going to introduce another ingredient to the whole picture. That in order to create something from nothing, we need two things. One, that the divine energy, the creator, must constantly be within the created. But it also needs a second thing. And that is that the creator must hide from the created. If one of these, if either of these were lacking we would cease to exist. If the divine energy would withdraw and would cease to create us, we would cease to exist. And also, if the divine energy revealed itself, we would cease to exist as an independent being. We would become totally nullified within God. If the eye were able to see, if the eye had the natural ability to see, we would see godliness. We wouldn't see the physical. It would cease to exist for all practical purposes. It, would cease, it, wouldn't be an, it wouldn't be an independent being. It would cease to exist. So in order to create something that's separate from God, so to speak, you need two aspects. Number one, God has to constantly be within, and at the same time, God has to constantly be concealed and hidden. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for world, olam, comes from the word helem, to hide, to conceal. That's the nature, that's the name. As we learned earlier, everything is in the name. What is the name of the world? What is the nature of the world? The concealment, the fact that God concealed Himself. Because if God would reveal Himself, we would cease to exist. We would cease to be a world. All we would sense is God. And that's the introduction that is going to introduce this concept of God hiding Himself, God concealing Himself. This is the theme of chapter 4. Since the divine activating force responsible... For the existence of created things must continuously be present within them. They are completely nullified in their source. This means, as the Alta Rebbe explained in the previous chapter, that in reality they do not exist. Why then do we nevertheless perceive created beings as enjoying a tangible existence? Only because we are unable to see or comprehend the divine utterance that is contained within each created thing and that calls it into being. The Alta Rebbe illustrated this by considering the sun's rays. Why are they not within their source, the sun, but diffused throughout the expanse of the universe? They are perceived as having independent existence. However, when they are contained within the sun globe, they clearly have no such existence at all. The following question therefore arose. Since creative beings, unlike the sun's rays, must constantly have their source within them, why do we not actually see how they are completely nullified in their source? In order to answer this question, 
Thus the Rebbe wrote that a certain preface would be necessary. And hence, this, the fourth chapter, now elaborates on God's capacity for symptom or contraction. It is written, for a sun and a shield is Havaya Elohim. Just as the sun gives forth illumination, so too does the four letters divine name Havaya provide us with spiritual illumination. Likewise, just as the sun's shield protects us from the intensity of its rays, so too does God shield us with the divine name Elohim. So he's explaining the two names, Hashem Elohim, connote two different aspects of God, and the analogy is the sun and the shield, the ozone layer. The sun gives off light, and the shield hides the light, conceals the light. But it's only as a result of both that we're able to see the light. Without the sun, there's no light. But if all you had was the sun, you couldn't either see the light, because the light would be too intense. You need a protection. You need a concealment. You need to hide the light, to cover up on the light. And that enables us to receive the light. So too, you have the two names of God. You have the name Hashem, which is compared to the sun. And then you have the name Elohim, which conceals and hides over that same light. Shield refers specifically to that, the shield which is a covering for the sun, to protect creatures so that they should be able to bear it, the sun's heat. As our sages of blessed memory have said, in time to come, for example in the messianic era, the Holy One, blessed be He, will take out the sun from its sheath, the wicked will be punished by it, as they will be unable to bear the intensity of the sun. The passage goes on to say that the righteous will not only be able to tolerate it, they will actually be healed by it. Now, just as the covering shields the sun, protecting creatures from the intensity of its rays so that the benefit may be derived from it. So does the name Elohim shield the name Chavaya, blessed be he, enabling the created universe to absorb the divine illumination that emanates from it. Our opening verse, for a sun and a shield is Chavaya Elohim. This means that the name Chavaya illumines like the sun. Or the name Elohim screams its illumination, like the sheath of the sun, enabling its light to be received. The meaning of the name Havaya is that which brings everything into existence, ex nihilo, from nothing. The Rebbe Shlita notes, this refers to the last three letters, Chai, Vav, and Chai of, of this name, which form the words Havaya. Am I saying that right? Havaya. Havaya. Yeah, Yud, K Vav, K. So Havaya is, if you take the, la- the last three letters, it's a four-letter word. If you take the last three letters, Hoiva comes from the word, the root Havaya, Havaya, via, creation, being, bringing into being. So Havaya means the ability, the ability to create. Only God has the ability to create <coughs> something from nothing, to bring something into being, since only God has no source. <coughs> therefore, only God can create something from nothing means something from nothing means it has no source. Not reveal something that was already there in one shape or form and just reveal it, give birth to it, reveal it, but create something that doesn't exist in its source. 
something that's so only God who has no source. God has no reason and God has no source. That's the definition of God. God exists. God is. Therefore, only God has the power, the ability to create something from nothing. So that's the name Hashem. Hashem's name, Havaya, it's in the name. That Havaya, God has the ability to hoive, to bring something into being. That explains the three letters. How about the Yud? The letter Yud prefix to the stem of that. Mm-hmm. Modifies the verb indicating that the action is present and continuous. As Rashi comments on the verse, in this manner was Job, Yov, accustomed to do Yaase all the days. Not that Yov did this all the days in the past, but Yaase is continuously doing. Oh, this was his custom throughout all his days. So Yud represents something that's constant. Just as here the prefix of the letter Yud indicates an ongoing process, so too does the initial Yud of the name Havaya indicate that Hashem creates everything ex nihilo continuously. Like he said earlier, that God must constantly create the world each and every moment. Otherwise, the world would revert back to nothing, just like before it ever existed, as if it never existed. So, hoive, yud hoive, God is constantly, must constantly create the world. This action is the life force which flows at every single instant into all things created, from that which proceeds from the mouth of God and His breath and brings them into existence ex nihilo at every moment. For the fact that they were created during the six days of creation is not sufficient for their continued existence. As explained above, they must continuously be created. It is the sun of Havaya whose illumination continuously brings creation into being. However, with this illumination to be revealed within created beings, they would be aware of their complete nullification within their source, and we would not see before us created beings. For as explained earlier, when the activating force is perceived, the created being is non-existent. This is why the shield of Elohim is necessary in order to conceal from created beings the divine illumination of Havaya that is within them and that is responsible for their existence. Only then can they perceive themselves as existing independently of their life force. And this perception in turn makes it possible for created beings to consider and feel themselves to be tangibly existing, as shall soon be explained. So that's the, that's the analogy in the verse, comparing the two names, Hashem and Elohim, and their function, and their mutual function and interplay, with the sun and the... The shield, that just like the sun gives off light, but in order for us to receive the light, we must be protected from that light. So too, the name Hashem represents God's ability to create, the creative energy with which God brings everything into being. His creative energy must constantly be Yud Hoive, must constantly be in, in the objects, in the created being, constantly creating it and bringing it into existence. But then the question is, and if that's the case, how is it possible for us to, to perceive our being, our independence? And therefore we need to be shielded, we need to be protected from this ray, from this creative energy. Because if this creative energy, if we were to perceive this creative energy in its full intensity, 
we would be nullified. We wouldn't exist. It would defeat the whole purpose. The whole purpose is God is creating us because he, he wants us to be. He wants us to sense our independence. He wants us to sense our being. But since God must constantly, the light must constantly create us, therefore we are nullified. If we were to perceive that light, we couldn't possibly perceive ourselves. We would be non-existent. Therefore, we, God, we need a shield, which is the name Elohim, which is also God's name. We need a shield to protect us from the intensity of the light and to enable us to be able to receive the light and the other to be able to enable us to be able to receive existence, to become existent, to become independent beings, you need, we need the shame Elohim. God created a boundary. There is a boundary. And a boundary which we cannot cross. If we were to cross this boundary, we would cease to exist. God tells Moshe, Moshe says, I want to see your face. What does God tell him? A person can't see my face and continue to live. If you see my face, you cease to be. You are nullified. There's, a, 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 there's an episode in the Talmud that says God was upset at the angels. And it says he stuck out like his pinky, so to speak. And he burned them and he consumed them. In other words, he revealed to them some of, the, some of himself, some of the divine illumination. And they ceased to exist. If God would reveal himself, and if he would come out of his mask, we would cease to exist. So God had to mask himself. God must hide, must conceal himself, must shield himself, and create a division that we are not allowed to trespass. If we trespass, we cease to exist. Nadav and Aviyu, the two eldest sons of Aaron, trespass that boundary. God says, don't enter into the Holy of Holies. They entered into the Holy of Holies and they died, they expired, they were consumed by the divine flame. They couldn't continue to exist. As an independent being. They defeated the whole purpose of creation, which is that God wants us to be. So there is a boundary. There is a healthy boundary, a boundary which we must respect, and a boundary which we cannot cross, which creates that divide between us and God, that God is there and we are here. We sense ourselves, we sense our independence, and we, yet, we have a relationship with God. This has something to do also with, with what we're talking about about Sinai, Mount Sinai, when the people couldn't hear more than the first two commandments? Yes. This week's Torah portion, they expired. They expired from ecstasy. God had to resurrect them. They couldn't handle it. And after the two commandments, they pleaded with Moshe, please, we want to hear your voice. We want God to speak through you because we can't handle it. So he acted like a shield. Right, exactly. Right, Moshe acted like a shield. The voice of God went through his throat that enabled them, you know, it's like you can't look directly at the sun, but if you look with colored glasses, then you're able to look at it, to see it without burning up your eyes, without being destroyed in the process. So in order for us to be able to exist without being destroyed in the process, because if God is revealed, unsheathed, unshielded, without any masks, without any concealment, then our being is nullified. We become like light within the sun. We cease to exist. There's no, there's no meaning to our existence. The only thing that's meaningful is God. So what's going to be in the time of Mashiach? What is supposed to be... That's, we'll, we'll discuss it in the next class. It's a good question. Save, save that question.
Because we just learned that in the future, in times of Mashiach, Hashem will remove the shield. What happens then? That's that a good. So what happened to the altar Rebbe when he sold? Well, that was the last day of his life. <laughs> so that's that's that's, that's what happens when you pass away. That's what the Maggid said. Three days before you pass away, you see the divine energy. It means it's all over. Your life has come to an end. Life in this world has come to an end. You're crossing the boundary. You're, 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 you're going over to the other side. Right? You can't exist. No, you can no longer exist in your body as a separate entity. But to remain alive in this world, that life should have meaning. And God wanted us to be, to sense our being and have a relationship with God. In order to achieve this, we must, there must be a shield. God must shield us from the intensity of the light. Otherwise, the light would nullify us. In that sense, the light would destroy our sense of being. If we were to perceive the divine energy the way it is, we would cease to exist. We wouldn't even think about ourselves. All, all that we would notice is God. Not that, not that we would be destroyed, but we wouldn't notice ourselves. All that we would see is God. Nothing else would exist. Nothing else would matter. So the world, for all practical purposes, would just come to an end. No evil inclination. No temptation. We would cease to exist as, as, as separate beings. Okay, now he's going to explain the meaning of this attribute of God, this ability of God to conceal. Second paragraph in 861. Okay, the Talmud tells us, Moshe said, called, referred to God, as Akel, the God, Agadol, the Great One, Agibar, the Mighty One, the Hanoira, the Fearsome One, Hanoira. Now, Jeremiah took out the adjective Hagadol. He says, where's God's greatness? I don't see God's greatness. God is about to destroy His temple. The ten tribes were exiled. The Daniel was already after the destruction. He took out, he stopped referring to God as the mighty one. He says, where's God's might? His temple is destroyed. His home is destroyed. Where is God's might? And the Talmud said that the rabbis at the great assembly restored it, brought back these adjectives. We say in the Shemona Esra, in the silent prayer, Baruch Atah Hashem, HaKel, HaGadol, HaGibar, V'Hanoira. Why? What happened to Daniel's argument and Jeremiah's argument? The Talmud says, because there you see God's might. The fact that God was silent. The fact that God was a, a, allowed His temple to be destroyed and He kept silent. He restrained Himself. That's the ultimate expression of God's might, of God's strength, of God's restraint. Because just like God can give, God could reveal, God also has the ability to restrain Himself and to hide and to conceal and to limit Himself. In order to enable us to have freedom of choice, God keeps silent and doesn't react, allows evil to temporarily triumph. This is the ultimate expression of God's might. It's the ultimate expression of God's presence. It's not that God is absent. It's the ultimate expression of God's presence that He's able to conceal Himself, He's able to restrain Himself. The ability to hold yourself in, the ability to restrain yourself in a certain sense, is a lot more reflective on you, comes from a deeper place within you, than your expression, your self-expression. 
If you want to know what a person is all about, it's not by what he does, by how he expresses himself. It's by, by what he doesn't do. Character is what you won't do. The red lines, your restraint. It's what you will refrain from doing. The ability to limit yourself and the ability to say no and the ability to... That comes from a much deeper place. That shows in a depth of character. It's not what's revealed. It's what's hidden. The sculpture, his art, doesn't come by... It's by what he chips away. It's by what's not there. That's what defines... That's what etches the piece of art. Letters. What defines a letter? Is it the ink? That's the revelation. That's the expression, self-expression. But that's not what makes the letter. What makes the letter? It's the space around it. It's what's not there. That's what etches it. That's what defines it. When people buy food products, they don't look at what's there. They look at what's not there. <laughs> they list no calories, no fat. It's not what's there. It's what isn't there. That's more valuable than what's there. In the Torah, 248 do's and 365 don'ts. There are more don'ts than do's. But, but there's nothing happening. When you do something, you're revealing yourself, you're expressing yourself. 365, you're sitting with your hands folded, you're not doing anything. But the truth is the 365 don'ts are much more dynamic and much more revealing than the 248 do's. It's an inner, it's an inner dynamic, the ability to restrain yourself and the ability to create boundaries and borders and to limit yourself and say, I will not go there. This is a red line that I will not cross. Takes a lot, takes a lot more from inside of you. The rabbis say in ethics of our fathers, who is a strong person? What strength, courage, strength? Hakoivish is Yitzra, who's able to hold it, restrain his Yetzirah, who's able to restrain his appetites or his inclinations, who's able to say no, who's able to refrain. That's not absence, that's presence. That's a much greater presence, a much deeper presence. So when God is able to see his temple destroyed and he remains silent, it's not that God is absent. On the contrary, you see God's ultimate presence. Only God could sit there and watch. Watch Nebuchadnezzar. Watch these destroy his home and be silent and not say a word and let them get away with it. That's the ultimate expression, the ultimate revelation of God. Because it's also a revelation of God. It's also an attribute of God. Just like God has the ability to reveal, God has the ability to conceal. As a matter of fact, concealment comes from a deeper place than the ability to reveal. What sets a limit, a definition, the ability to define and to stop? The ability to stop speaking is greater than the ability to speak, to know when to stop, and to know how to accommodate your words, and to speak briefly, short and sweet and sharp, and to the point where every word matters and means something. It's like the uh, famous story with uh, Abraham Lincoln. He once, wrote, he once wrote his friend a 20-page letter. He was famous. He used to write many letters. We have many letters, and we wrote him a 20-page letter, and he writes at the end, the only reason I wrote you a 20-page letter is because I had no time. He says, if I had time, I would only write you one page. He would have time to collect his thoughts and to think and to make every word count, and therefore he would condense it into one. So the ability to define, the ability to condense, the ability to limit, the ability to restrain takes a lot more. A lot more personal input is really a greater self-expression than revealing. So there are two attributes to God. There's the attribute that God has to reveal Himself, to reveal His ability, His infinite ability, His ability to create. 
But oh, God also has the attribute of strength, of restraint, the ability to hide, the ability to conceal, which is presence. It's the ultimate expression, the, ult- the ultimately infinite expression of God. The Baal Shem Tov revealed himself at the age of 36. And from that day on, the Jewish people have never, has never been the same. We are still disciples of the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov single-handedly changed the course of Jewish history. With the renaissance of Jewish life, with the spreading of the Hasidic movement. If Judaism is alive today, it's only because of the Baal Shem Tov. The spreading of Chabad all over the world. This is a direct, the Alter Rebbe considered themselves the grandchild, spiritual grandchild of the Baal Shem Tov. This whole part of Tanya is based on Upirish Baal Shem Tov, the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov that God's energy and God's divine creative word is constantly creating. This is the foundation of the whole Hasidic movement. Until the Baal Shem Tov was 36, he was totally hidden and totally concealed. He wasn't the only one. There was a group of hidden tzaddikim. There was a... which no one knew about. No one even knew of its existence. It was like a hidden society called a hidden tzaddikim. No one even knew of its existence. They would travel from city to city as simple beggars, dressed up as beggars, mingled with the beggars. Meanwhile, they knew the whole Talmud backwards and forwards. They were great Kabbalists. They were miracle workers. They were divine, divinely inspired. They were holy people. But they hid pretended to be simple Jews, simple people. They would mingle with the Jews wherever they needed, wherever they saw there was a need, they would go and start teaching teaching the simple Jews and start spreading Yiddishkeit. But this was a hidden society that no one even knew of its existence. And this, was, this went on for a long time. So if you think to yourself, how is it possible? How is it possible? Once the Bashem to revealed himself, his light just burst forth. His light is still illuminating us. Over 200 years later. How could the Baal Shem Tov hide all of that light that the people around him thought he was a simpleton, he was a boor? He used to sleep during the day and learn at night. And everyone, everyone was asleep, he would learn all night. And they thought he was a simple person. He was always sleeping and they never saw him learn. And they never, they had no idea who he was. This giant, this genius, this giant. This, how can he have all of this light within his soul, within his soul, and yet you looked at him and you saw nothing. The ability to hide, the ability to conceal, is no less astonishing than the ability to reveal. To have such an intense light and to be able to hide it and pretend as if there's nothing there, that's the ultimate, the ultimate expression. In a sense, it's even more astonishing than than the ability to reveal (laughs) And the same is true with God. God has two attributes. One attribute is attribute of giving and the other attribute is the attribute of concealing, of hiding. With the attribute of giving, God creates the world. That's the divine creative energy with which God creates and creates and something from nothing, which is only God can create something from nothing. So it's infinite. It's a divine attribute. Only God has the ability to bring something into existence. A piece of stone, a fruit, the whole world, the table, everything, trees, everything that exists. Only God has the ability to bring something from nothing. The material, especially the material and the physical into being. But at the same time, only God has the divine ability to take this infinite light, this infinite miracle, which if we were to perceive it, it would blow us away that we wouldn't even sense ourselves. 
or we would censor the divine. But God has the infinite divine attribute and ability to be able to hide and to conceal this light. That you look at this world and you say, I don't see anything. Total concealment. You look at the world and you say, there's nothing here. There's nothing going on. There's no story. There's nothing. When in truth is, that it's the greatest miracle. All the miracles in the Torah are nothing in comparison to the miracle of creation. It's the most dynamic, the most unbelievable, astonishing event that we will continue to exist for another moment. And yet, it's totally natural. As if nothing happened. It's an event. We don't even pay attention. We don't even notice. Only God has the ability to hide this unbelievable ability, an unbelievable revelation. So just like the revelation is a divine attribute, the ability to create is a divine attribute, the ability to hide and to conceal is also a divine attribute. And is really another form of the presence of God. When God hides and restrains Himself, it's God hiding and God restraining Himself. So these two aspects that go into creation, that on one hand, God must constantly be within the object, the divine energy must constantly be within the object, otherwise it would cease to, it would cease to exist. And that same ability that the divine must be totally concealed and totally hidden from the created, that's all. and if, if He were to reveal, if God were to reveal, if God were to lift the mask and lift the veil, if we were to perceive and to sense the divine energy, we would cease to exist. Both of these things are divine. But they're two divine, they're two divine attributes. One is the divine attribute of chesed, and the other one is the divine attribute of gevurah, of strength, of restraint. The, the third paragraph in 861. The Kabbalists referred to the attribute of kindness as Agadol, as God's greatness, his ability to express himself, his ability to give. For God is great and his greatness is unsearchable in as much as it is in And therefore he also causes... In other words, the kindness is, is, is a, an expression of God's greatness. Therefore, God is kind to all, whether, whether we're worthy or not worthy. But God is so great that it's a gratuitous kindness. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't bother Him. Whether we're worthy or not, He bestows upon us His kindness. He creates us. He sustains us. He gives us life. He gives us health. Whether we earn it, whether we deserve it or not. So the, the, the kindness is an expression of God's greatness. That He's not limited. That the kindness is not limited. It's not... It's a gratuitous kindness. It's not a kindness you have to earn or deserve, but existence and life is nothing short of, of, of a kindness, of God's infinite, infinite greatness, and an infinite kindness. Go ahead. Therefore, he also causes life force and existence to the issue force for an unlimited number of worlds and creatures. For it is the nature of the benevolent 
God told the Netherlands to dictate that there be an infinite number of worldly creatures that will benefit from his demand. So, of course, being a finite world, there are finite species. But, nevertheless, it's, it feels as if it's infinite. Because relative to a finite world, there's so many. There's so many species, especially what we know today. You go into the museums, and there's so many hundreds of thousands of species, so much variety, it boggles your mind. That in such a finite space, there should be such a variety, such a, such a, a colorful variety. So in a sense, it's like an expression of something infinite. Of course, you can't have anything infinite in the finite setting. But it's an expression of something that's infinite. Like God's kindness, when He creates, He doesn't just create. He creates with abundance, different varieties and species and categories. And, and it, it's, it's an expression of God's greatness, of God's infinite greatness. That he's kind and therefore he creates so much and gives so much and such variety and so much seemingly infinite variety of creation. Even in the physical world, there's so much of such variety. You know, even the world of nuts, how many nuts you have, how many different variations of nuts and, and, and every, every species and every type and it just goes on and on and on. And, and even the physical world, there's so many different types of pleasures. I mean, today you have... You have a hundred different types of potato chips. <laughs> but this is just... The, everything in the world is really a... You have such a variety. And this is an expression of God's infinite. When God gives, He gives an abundance. He doesn't just give. He gives infinite abundance with variety, which is an expression of His, of his infinite. Now this attribute of Pagaro, the attribute of Chesed that spreads forth His life force into all the worlds, so was the creator of Ex Nilo, exclusively the praise of the Holy One, blessed be He. For no, no created thing could create a being out of nothing and give it life. Creo Ex Nilo is, is utterly beyond the realm of created being. In the words of the Midrash, even if all mankind were to gather together, they would not, would, would not be able to create even the wing of the, of the gnat and animate it. Right, we, right. we don't have the ability to create something from nothing. All the scientists in the world can't give life into a fly. Life is something that comes directly from the source of life. Only God can give life, give energy, life. What was the goal? Very good. Because the rabbis were able, by manipulating the words, the Hebrew language, and by meditating on the divine names, they were able, they had the power to create using the building blocks of creation, the divine letters, the Hebrew letters, they were meditating on the Hebrew letters, which as we learned earlier, are the building blocks of creation. So they were able to create and able to, to um, create the golem, and the Talmud tells us that the rabbis who created uh, every Shabbos, before Shabbos they created a, a calf, a very juicy calf, to make steaks for Shabbos. Um, as a matter of fact, that was a sign, one of the rabbis, that he graduated. That he, was, he graduated the mystical teachings at the end of his graduation. He created the calf for Shabbos. Um, there was one rabbi who actually even created the golem, but they couldn't speak. Uh, the, the, there is, there, the Kabbalists say, it says by Avram, that Avram, he came 
the land of Israel. Lech Lecha, Hashem said, go to them. And he came with Sarah, he came to the land of Israel. They took with them all the souls that they made in Haran. The question is, what do you mean that they made in Haran? This is an obvious question. Rashi explains that means the souls that they brought back to monotheism. So in a sense, it's as if they gave birth to them. He means in, in the figurative sense, that they made in Haran as if they made their soul because he made them aware of God and he made them into moral, ethical, and spiritual human beings. But the, some Kabbalists say it means literally. Because Avram was the greatest Kabbalist. Avram was the author of the Book of Formation, which based on the Book of Formation, with the Book of Formation, the Maral was able to make the Golem. Because the Book of Formation t- teaches us about the Hebrew language and the building blocks of creation, different meditations and the different names of God and the Hebrew language. And if you do the proper meditations, a great Kabbalist is able to actually create, create a Golem. So Avram was able and made, actually made, made, made these people. So that's what it means, literally. The souls that Avram made, all his golems. He took with him all, all his golems. And some say, some explain with this why Joseph says, Joseph tattled on his brothers. Joseph told his father that he saw them eat meat without slaughtering the animal before they ate the meat. But what Joseph did not know was that these animals did not need to be slaughtered because they were animals like the animals that the Talmudic rabbi created. He created the animal before Shabbos. So these were animals, the brothers, the Shvatim, the tribes, were Kabbalists. They had the ability to create animals. So these animals did not need regular slaughter. But again, because it's building with the divine energy, it's taking the divine energy, the building blocks of creation, the Hebrew language and the divine names, and they were able to create with it. But other than that, all the scientists in the world can create the life of a fly. So life, life, especially creation, Something from nothing is an, is an attribute of God. Only God has the ability to give life, to bring life, and only God has the ability to create, to bring being, to create something from nothing. This attribute of the devil is whereby Hashem creates a zero is also the other cognition of all creatures and their understanding. For it is not within the power of the intellect of any creature to comprehend good for the faculty of or understand through the faculty of Vida this attribute and its ability to create a being out of nothing and vivify it. We can't relate to it. You can't relate to something you don't have. It's not within our ability. We've never seen it. We can't relate to the idea of creating something from nothing because we can't do it. And it's totally beyond our comprehension. It's a divine miracle. It's something that doesn't make any sense. And therefore it's... Um, it's something that's beyond our grasp, and um, it's a divine attribute. For creatio ex nihilo is a matter which transcends the intellect of all creatures, inasmuch as it stems from the divine attribute of Gadula. Now the Holy One, blessed be He, and His attributes are a perfect unity. As the Holy Zohar states, He and His causations, His attributes are one. And just as it is impossible for the mind of any creature to comprehend its creator, so too, so it is impossible for, the, for it to comprehend its attributes, for they are one with him. So just like we can't understand God, God is undefined, so too we can't understand his attribute, his ability to give, his ability to bestow kindness, his ability to give life, 
his ability to create something from nothing. It's beyond our human comprehension. It's totally beyond our realm. We can't relate to it. It's, it's something that we, we, um, we acknowledge, but we can't comprehend. It doesn't make sense to us. Just like we don't, can't comprehend God. We can't grasp God. Because we're not God. We don't, we don't have it in us. So too, we do not have this attribute. We don't, do not have this divine attribute, the ability to create something from nothing. So it's, it's beyond our understanding. Until now, we have been speaking of the specific attribute of Gedula or Chesed. The Alter Rebbe will now say that just as this attribute, which is responsible for creation, is unfathomable, so too with regard to the attribute of Gavura or contraction. The function of this attribute is to conceal from created beings the activating force within them, enabling them to exist as tangible entities instead of being utterly nullified within their source. In the Alter Rebbe's words, and just as it is impossible for the mind of any creature to apprehend his attribute of Gedula, which is the ability to create a being out of nothing and give it life, as it is written, the world is built by, i.e. created through the, the attribute of kindness. Exactly so is it impossible for it to apprehend the divine attribute of Gavura, might, restraint, which is the faculty of Simsum, con- condensation, contraction. Restraining the spreading forth of the life force from his attribute of Gedula, preventing it from descending upon and manifesting itself to the creatures, and providing them with life and existence in a revealed manner, but rather with his countenance concealed, i.e. the divine activating force is at work within creation in a concealed manner. Thus it is the attribute of Gavura and Simsim that enables the life force to be concealed from the very creature it is creating. For the life force conceals itself in the body of the created being, making it appear as if the body of the created being had independent existence, and making it appear as though the created being was not merely an extension of the life force and the spirituality that creates it. Just like the diffusion of the radiance and light of the sun, but an independently existing entity. Although in reality the created being has no independent existence, and is only like the diffusion of the light from the sun, just as the sun's rays are merely a diffusion from the sun, so too all of creation is but a diffusion of Hashem's activating force. Since, however, created beings are continuously found within their source, unlike the sun's rays, which do not leave their source, their divine source should cause them to be completely nullified within it, just as the light of the sun is in a state of complete nullification when found within the sun. Nevertheless, this nullification is not felt by created beings, even though they are but a a diffusion of Hashem's activating force, for this capacity for self-concealment is precisely the restraining power of the Holy One, blessed be He, who is omnipotent. Hashem's omnipotence expresses itself not only in His ability to bring forth light and bestow life, but also in His ability to conceal the same light and life from from the beings He creates. So from God's point of view, there really is no concealment because it's like, it's like you're, you're covering yourself. God is hiding his right hand with his left hand, so to speak. It says in the Code of Jewish Law, let's say a person, his yarmulke blew away and he has to make a blessing. He doesn't have a yarmulke. So you can, you can put something, anything, any cover over your head. 
But if you cover your head with your hand, it's not, no good. Why? It's not considered a cover. Because it's you. It's part of you. You're covering yourself. If you cover with your sleeve, sleeve is something else, because your sleeve is a clothes. It's not part of you. That's considered a cover. But if you cover with your bare hand, it's not considered a cover, because you can't cover up on yourself. So, when you have these two ingredients that go into creation, God's attribute of gedula, of, of greatness, of infinite kindness, God's divine ability to create, and then you also have God's attribute, the other ingredient is God's divine attribute of restraint, of, of hiding, <coughs> of being able to restrain himself and conceal himself. That despite the fact that the infinite energy is constantly creating it, and miraculously, and bringing it into existence, and it's so dynamic and vibrant. And yet God also has an infinite ability to make this event into a non-event, that we don't perceive it, and we don't sense it, and it's shashtil, it's quiet. You look at this world, dead. Which is the ultimate, ultimate lie. What do you mean dead? This is, this is, this is, even, this is even more dramatic. <laughs> it gets even more dramatic. Not only... You have the God's infinite energy creating the world. What's even more dramatic is that it's, it appears as if it's nothing, that we don't perceive it. That alone is, is, is shouts out, speaks volumes, tells us, points to God's presence, to God's infinite ability, that there's something dynamic. It's so dynamic. It's so vibrant. God is so present. God is present because the whole, our whole being is nothing other than the creative, God's creative ability. God is present because He's totally hiding and only God can hide like that. He can play hide and seek like that. He's there and at the same time he pretend, as if He's not there. But this is an attribute of God. So it's like God concealing Himself. Is that really considered a concealment? From God's point of view. There's no concealment. God is not only found in light. God is found in darkness. God is not only found in the day, God is found at night. There's no concealment before God. There's no darkness, there's no concealment. But the concealment is only for us, from our point of view. But so the attributes. It's all one anyway. It's all one. Right. So, I mean, to us, there are different attributes. But Right. But to us, we, we receive the effect of the attribute. Because the attributes are all one. They're all divine. So it's really a revelation. God's strength, God's ability to restrain, is really a revelation of God. Just as infinite as, as God's infinite ability to create. But its effect is, the effect of God's ability to conceal is on us, that we don't sense, we don't perceive. We have a boundary which we cannot cross. There is a separation, a division between God and between us. A separation, a division that we cannot cross. Our head will always bang up against the ceiling. But there is a ceiling. There is a limit. There is a restraint. There is a concealment. We sense ourselves. Even the angels sense themselves. The angels are like light that's outside of the sun. A dependent entity, but a separate entity. The truth is that we're all like light in the sun. But we can sense it. Otherwise we would cease to exist. So the effect of God's attribute of hiding is not on God. The God, there's no, there's no hiding. There's no, it's all infinite. It's all a presence of God. It's all connected. But the effect is on us. That God has the ability to create something where He's totally within us. At the same time, He's totally hidden from us. Totally concealed. Where we, where we don't even sense it. 
where we don't even sense that we're like the light outside of the sun. We don't even sense that we're light altogether. We don't feel that we're like a light, we're like energy. We feel dense. We feel independent, totally independent. So much so that there are people who deny the existence of God. So much so that you have evil, total darkness, total concealment. But from God's point of view, God, it's all God. Everything is God. The hiding is God, the revelation is God, the light is God, the night is God. It's just two different hands, two different aspects. That's why there were great tzaddikim. When they suffered, or they had pain in their life, they would say, the Talmud says you have to thank God for the negative, just like you have to thank God for the positive, because they say it's all God. What difference does it make to me if, I'm, if, I'm, if God is making himself present through his right hand, or he's making himself present through his left hand? It's the presence of God. It's all God. In the concealment, in the darkness, many times in the concealment, in the darkness, we have greater opportunity to get closer to God than, than through the light. Because the concealment and the darkness is really also God. Perhaps even a, a more intense level of God. A deeper level of God. A deeper ability of God to hide and to conceal and to restrain. So many times we find that in the pain and in the darkness and in the challenge and in the... You can find God sometimes even more than you can find God in the light, in the, in the revelation. Because it's really all God. But we don't, perspe- we don't perceive that. If we were to perceive that, we would cease to be. So the effect of God's attribute of strength, the effect on us is that there's a boundary. There is a ceiling. There is a, a delineation. There's God and there's us. And we sense ourselves, independent beings. Why does God allow us to have knowledge of this? Oh, because since our essence is really God, therefore we have to know God. We have to know something of God. As a matter of fact, the fact that we're able to know God is one of those hints that all is not what it seems to be. That really our essence is really godly, our essence is really divine. So this is the struggle, this is the human struggle. We know God. And we feel close to God, but we feel distant from God. We don't know God. We know and we don't know. Because we can't prove that we know God. Because so, there's, there's a concealment. But we feel that we know. We have intuition. We feel. We have a conscience because we know God. But at the same time, we don't know. And it's a struggle. Because you have these two attributes. We are the result of the interplay of these two attributes of the God, God's divine, infinite ability to create and His revelation, which is revealed in our being. Our very being is nothing other than God's revelation of His, of His infinite ability to create, which only God has the ability to create. So we are the ultimate revelation of God, our very being, our very essence. At the same time, we are the ultimate concealment of God. This world, especially this world, this materialistic, dense world, which appears dead and fragmented and is the ultimate concealment of God. We know that we have a life, we know that we have an energy, but it eludes us that it's a divine energy. We know, we feel that we're alive, we have an energy, we have a life, but we don't make the connection that life is godly, life is sacred, which doesn't make any sense. Since all the scientists in the world can't create the life of a fly, the fact that we sense our life, we should be jumping out of our skin, we should be jumping from joy, we should sense God, we should sense the miracle of life, the miracle of, we should sense the divine just in life, in the energy, in the sanctity of life. Yet we don't make the connection, there's a total disconnect. God has totally hidden himself, totally concealed himself, that we sense life, we sense energy, 
but we make no connection between the energy and the divine. That it's a, it's a miracle. It's a pure divine miracle. Life. The ability to create, to give life to something. That the, 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 the wood is alive, the tree is alive and it grows. It's a miracle. We can't do that. It's divine. That the, 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 the bee has a life, that the animal has a life, that we have a life. It's divine. But we, make, we don't make that connection. Does the Torah make the connection? Are the secrets Ab- in the Torah? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's the purpose of the Torah. But to the reveal. All these things are in the Torah. That's the purpose of the Torah, to reveal godliness in this world. If we were living in a, in a sane world, after work, people would be rushing to the hospitals. They would be rushing to the maternity wards. They would make huge stadiums to watch the miracle of birth, the miracle of life, the miracle of creation. Since we live in an insane world, so they build stadiums to watch adults swing wood and hit balls. <laughs> so because, this is the ultimate concealment. It's illogical. It makes no sense. You should be jumping from joy. You should be jumping out of your skin. Just You should sense that life is a miracle. Everything is sacred. Is God is within us, all around us. The way God created it still takes a man and a woman to create a child. God doesn't create it. Yeah, but that's, but, that's, but that's part of the miracle. That's also part of the miracle. And yet we don't make the connection. That we take for granted. It doesn't excite us doesn't calm, calm us down. Because that's a total concealment, which is astonishing. If you think about it, it's, it's, it's astonishing. It makes no sense. But that's the divine ability. God has the ability to hide, total, totally hide himself. He's totally present, and he's totally hidden at the same time. He is totally present within us. He must be totally present within us, because if he would cease to be totally present in us, we would cease to exist in a second, and we never existed. So he's totally present within us. And at the same time, he must must be totally concealed within us. Not just concealed, totally concealed. Totally disconnected. That we don't even sense that we're dependent on God. No excitement. No response. No perception. No sense of the divine. People can go through their whole life and not even once even think of that. But on the other hand, we have something within us that recognizes the divine. Because that is our substance. That is because we have it within us. We are nothing other than the godly creative energy, the revelation of the God's infinite self. So really, our very substance is God. That's why we have God within us. We have a conscience. We have a yearning. We want to know. We want to relate. We want to connect. We want to make the wise choices. We want to do good things. But at the same time, we're totally, it's totally concealed from us. It's a struggle. It's confusing. It's dark. It's not simple. It's, 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 if we're simple, it's not simple. It's, it's, it's a struggle. And it's a conflict. and it's, it's nebulous. It's vague. It's not so clear. Because this is the result of God's hiding. And this creates the ceiling. This creates the boundary that separates us from God. And it's a boundary that we cannot trespass, we cannot cross. Otherwise, we would cease to exist. So we are the result of the interplay of these two divine attributes, God's infinite ability to, to reveal himself and God's infinite ability to totally hide himself. At the same time, within, within the, same, the same object. Just like the shield hides the sun. So God is the, the sun and the shield. God is the revelation and the concealment. It's also God. It's also an expression of God. It's nothing other than God. It's like the analogy... He uses later, and he used in the first part, 
It's like the grasshopper, the clothes of the grasshopper. The grasshopper grows its own clothes. It's part of it. So the concealment, the cover, is also part of you. It's nothing separate from you. So it's also God. So it's like the right hand covering on the left hand. So it's not the left hand covering on the right hand. So it's not, from God's point of view, there's no real concealment. It's all God. God is there in the creation. God is there in the hiding. So really, the whole essence of our being, which is a result of this interplay, really, there's nothing but God. But we don't see it. That is part of the concealment. We don't see it. If we were to perceive it, we perceive that God is hidden. But the hiding itself is really also God. So really, there really is nothing but God. God is the revelation. God is the hiding. There really is nothing, but we don't perceive it. The effect of God's hiding is that we sense ourselves, that we perceive that our own being. And God to us is something ayin. We're something from nothing. What is God? We can't perceive it. We can't relate to it. We, can't, we don't understand. It's, 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 it's beyond us, beyond our comprehension, beyond our frame of reference, beyond our world. This is, this is, the, this is, the, this is the answer. How is it possible that we should be within the sun, we should be within the source, a non-entity, and at the same time, we don't perceive. Not only don't we sense ourselves as a non-entity, we don't even sense ourselves as a dependent entity. We sense ourselves as a very much independent entity. When in truth is that we are truly within the source. And the answer is, just like the source is the divine, so so too in the source, God has the ability to hide. It's also in the source. In the same source, these two attributes of God, the same God. And the two attributes, as we'll learn later, are interlinked and interconnected. It's all part of one. So within the same, God is the sun and the shield together. So within the same source, there is the ability to create and there is the ability to totally conceal. And hence able to condense the life force and spirituality which issues from the breath of his mouth and to conceal it. <coughs> so that the body of the created being shall not become nullified out of existence. And hence, notwithstanding the fact that the created being is but a diffusion of the rays of its source, it is thus enabled to perceive itself to be an independently existing entity. It is beyond the scope of the mind of any creature to comprehend the essential nature of the simsim and concealment, and to comprehend that, nonetheless, the simsim notwithstanding the creature itself be created ex nihilo. But since creation is an act of revelation rather than concealment, creatio ex nihilo should surely consist of the revelation of the divine life force within the created being. How then do both these things manifest themselves at one and the same time? On the one hand, the revelation of the divine life force. On the other, the condensation and concealment of this life force so that created beings will be unaware of it and consider themselves to be independently existing entities and not utterly nullified within their source. Indeed, the paradox of Simpson defies the comprehension of mere created beings. Just as it is not within the capacity of the mind of any creature to comprehend the essential nature of the creation of being and of nothing. Okay, we'll stop here. Lessons in Tanya, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. For more Tanya study, please visit our website at www.lessonsintanya.com.